are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. All right, today we are in a series called uh, Released by the Cross. And we're focusing on the Lord Jesus and why he had to die on the cross and what that means for us. And specifically, we're looking at our identity through the eyes of the cross. Um, When we understand what the Lord Jesus did for us, uh, it helps define us as 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 a people and as individuals and as families, and it gives us confidence. And I think this identity is something God wanted us to focus on for a while, so that we can just be prepared for what God has for us in the future. So we're just taking time to stop and reflect. We're taking communion every Sunday. Usually we're pretty sporadic about communion. Some people are in a tradition of every Sunday, but for this series we're doing communion every Sunday. So that's that's good for us too. So, so far we've talked about, real quick, I don't always review, but I want to give a quick review. The Lord Jesus' death on the cross released us from captivity. We were enslaved to the devil and his kingdom. When Jesus came and died on the cross, we were released from that, and then we became part of God's kingdom. The second thing was last week, his death on the cross released healing to us and the power to heal others. Uh, Isaiah said, by his wounds, we are healed. His blood is for our salvation. His, His body was for our healing. So today we're going to talk about how his death brings us into unity with himself. Now there's a word we use, we're going to use for this, and that word is called atonement. Atonement. This is a word we don't use in regular conversations at work probably. We don't talk about atonement. But it's used 90 times in the Old Testament, the word atonement. So what we're going to do today, I'm going to give you a few pictures of atonement from the Old Testament And we're going to just kind of try to understand better what that means and what God released to us through this. So we're going to start with Noah. Everybody understands the story of Noah. You know, God is going to to send a flood and ask Noah to build an ark. And uh, this is what God said to Noah in Genesis 6, 14. Why don't we stand for this one? Let's stand in honor of God's word. Nick's not in here. I think he's in the cafe. Uh, Somebody read Genesis 6.14 for us. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark of compartments and cover it inside and out with pitch. All right, you may be seated. Short and sweet today. Gopher wood. I've never gotten gopher wood. So, yeah, because of your lack of education, Amy, we gave you an easy one today. So, yes, indeed. (laughs) Dr. Amy, sorry. Uh, the The Hebrew word for... Uh, cover, cover it with pitch. Remember, we, we covered the door with the blood the first day. Uh, comes from the Hebrew word kafar. Was that a Disney character? Jafar, okay, kafar, <laughs> which means to cover over or make atonement for. He said, cover the inside of the ark with pitch. That word, cover, is kafar. Hebrew word means, it means atonement. Uh, inside and out. So here's the picture. Noah taking, I don't know if he used a brush or branches or what he used, but he, could you imagine covering this entire boat with pitch? This, this took probably a year, you know, so he, he dipped it in, he, cover, he covered it up, he sealed all the cracks on the ark so no water could get in. He wanted to make it seaworthy. Boat needed to stay above water and the pitch would seal it and keep it from sinking. And this is a picture of 
atonement. So let me give you a definition for atonement. Atonement is the act by which God restores a relationship of harmony, harmony and unity between himself and us. Atonement. You, you could say, if you want to condense it down, it's, um, it means to be made one with God. And I like that word harmony because I'm a little bit of a music person. You know, when things are out of tune, it sounds kind of weird, but when there's harmony and everything's working together and the voices, it's just a beautiful thing. Jesus died on the cross to release that to us so we can be in harmony and unity with God. So how can the people who have been deceived and sinned and made mistakes and have been messed up be made one with God and have harmony with Him? How, how can that happen? How does God do it? Atonement. Through the atonement that happened on the cross when Jesus died for our sins, shed his blood at the cross, um, covers us in his blood when we come to him and restores our relationship with him and brings us into harmony with God. It means covering, that word kafar, the cover with pitch. It's a good picture for us of atonement. Uh, another example from the Old Testament, Adam and Eve. We know that story as well, that account. Uh, God made Adam and Eve, put them in a garden, said, uh, be in charge of this, Make it better. People don't understand. God doesn't give us things to maintain. God gives us responsibility. He says, run with it. Man, go and make it better. Improve on it. Be in charge. Name the animals. Do all these things. Only have one rule. Don't eat the fruit off of the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One, one rule. Well, anyway, the devil came along, deceived them, scammed them, tricked them into disobeying God, and they ate from the tree the fruit, and they were deceived. And death became part of their story, and they were ashamed. Do you remember the first thing that Adam and Eve did after this happened? What, what did they do? They made fig leaves into clothes. That had to be pretty difficult. And uh, they covered themselves, okay? Um, Genesis 3, 7, then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together uh, and made for themselves coverings. There's that word again. Okay, cover the ark. They made covering. Um, by the way, Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves. You know, when we sin and we mess up, we feel that there's, there's something not right. We, we, we cover for ourselves. I know that I've done that for myself before. And you can't do it. You can't cover for your own sins and mistakes. God's the only one who can cover sin. And all the times, I know, but think about your life, the times where you've tried to cover things up and we, we've messed up and we feel ashamed and we feel this need for covering. And we think that God is after us at that point. Oh, God's mad. He's after us. He's coming after us. He's coming after us, but he's coming after us to bring covering. He's not coming after us to punish. He's coming after us to bring, to bring covering atonement. So, Adam, so God shows up and he comes to bring covering for them. Now the devil comes for a different reason. Instead of coming after us to bring covering, he comes at, at us to bring condemnation and, and shame on us. He tries to convince us to keep our sins and our mistakes a secret because he knows when we cover our sins, we have a problem. Have you heard this verse before? Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sin, what? will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. 
Very important. When we respond to God, when we admit what we've done, we turn to Him, He covers our sin. Atonement. Only God can cover sin. Only God can provide atonement. So back to Noah, and this is cool too, God tells Noah, I want, to, I want you to cover the ark inside and out. Inside and out. And I, I love this. It means God's covering my sin inside and out. Okay? Not just the stuff I do, and I do a lot of knucklehead things, and we've all done things we're ashamed of. You know, we're a mixed bag a little bit. But my outside actions and my inside motivations and thinking. God covers both. Now, the, there's many words for sin or messing up in the Bible. One of those words is iniquity. And I think iniquity means guilt or harm or crooked, as I've studied. But it also, it refers to the inner stuff, an inner twisting. You know, our motivations aren't always perfect, are they? Sometimes we do things to get an advantage or to take advantage. Um, iniquities. Transgression is an action or an outer thing. You can have lust on the inside, but not act on it, but it's still sin. What did Jesus say? Whoever looks at a person to lust after them has already committed sin in their hearts. Okay? It's an iniquity, but it didn't become a transgression, but it's still a problem. Transgression means to trespass. When I was a kid, we had, they were, I come from northern Illinois, and people have immaculate lawns. And so, so nice that they don't want you to step on them. And what do kids do? Man, they're all over the lawn. They step on the lawn, okay? We trespass. You know, I, did, I got screamed at so many times, get off my lawn, you know? Happened all the time. Trespass, transgression means to trespass or step across the line. And there's a great verse that we read last week that talks about iniquities and transgressions, if you remember. Let me read this for us. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. What a, what a great verse to memorize and chew on during the day. He was, he was wounded for our transgressions, the outer mistakes and sins that we've committed. He was bruised, which is a, you ever had a bruise? You know, it's, I, was a, I was a rough kid, and I had bruises all the time, and it'd just be all purple and black and blue, and it's on the inside. It's not on the outside. He, it's almost like he received inner wounds for our inner sins and struggles and outer wounds for our outer sins and struggles. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. But he was, he was harmed and bruised for our iniquities and transgressions. Um, you know, sin always brings shame, and the first thing Adam and Eve did was when they felt that shame, uh, when they, when they disobeyed the Lord, and God says, I'm, I'm going I'm to cover you with atonement. Noah, cover, cover the ark. It's all that picture of the same thing. Um, another picture of atonement, Yom Kippur. Everybody say Yom Kippur. Yom, Yom Kippur. Have you, you, what's Yom Kippur? Day of atonement. Okay, I've been chewing on this a lot this week. Um, God gave Israel seven different sacred feasts to celebrate during the year, okay? And they all, had, they all meant something. You know, Passover. Passover was one of the feasts. So was Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur was considered the most sacred holiday of the Jewish year, and it's a great picture of atonement. Um, on Yom Kippur, the high priest would go into what was called the Holy of Holies. 
he would take with him a, a, a basin of blood from a bull or a goat, take that into the Holy of Holies uh, in, the, in the most holy place. Now, the temple and the tabernacle was divided into three parts, basically, right? There was the outer court. Uh, only Jewish people could be in the outer court, but any Jewish person, we wouldn't be allowed into any of that unless you're Jewish. Then there was the holy place where the priest would go to minister. Uh, Herod built a new temple for the Jewish people and got really angry, King Herod, because they would not let him go into the holy place to see or inspect the, the temple that he was building because he wasn't a priest. So you got the outer court, any Jewish person, the holy place where the Levites and priests could go. Then you had the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was. And once a year, the high priest would go in and he would bring the blood of the bull and the goat and he would pour that or sprinkle that on the mercy seat. Now the Ark of the Covenant here, you see, uh, was a covenant box. Now what's a covenant box? When two people in the ancient days would make a covenant, they would each get a copy of the covenant. They would put that in a box and they would put it somewhere where it would be safe and protected. And God said, make an ark, take the Ten Commandments. There was also the Aaron's staff that budded and a bowl of manna. Put that in the ark and then put this, this cover over top of it. And we, that's called, known as the mercy seat. So the holy, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with fear and trembling because it was a it was uh, God's presence. You know, if God just walked in here unrestrained, we'd be in trouble because he is so holy. And they would go in there and they'd, put, they'd pour that blood, sprinkle it and pour it on the mercy seat on top of the ark. So when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, he, uh, he, he built that and put it inside. And they poured blood over it. And that blood would signify that the sins of the people were forgiven for a year. So that was part of this Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Leviticus 17.11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So then the Lord provided atonement through the blood of innocent animals at the time that died in the worshiper's place. They would kill that animal, the goat and the bull. They'd take that blood, pour it on the altar, and their sins were atoned for for a year because it pointed to what the Lord Jesus was going to come and do. It was uh, looking forward to his coming. Now, there's another part of this that I like, and if I had access, I'd have brought some in here, but two goats. There were two goats that were, they were the, they were the star attractions during the Day of Atonement. Uh, God said, take two goats. One would be the sacrificial goat, whose blood would be taken into the Holy of Holies. Look, it's not my thing off here. <laughs> uh, slit its throat and, and, and burn it on the altar. They would take the blood, put it in the bowl. They would take that, that basin of, of blood into the Holy of Holies. And then the other one was called the scapegoat. Now, have you heard that term scapegoat before? What's, what's that usually referred to? The person is getting blamed, you know. The, the person maybe didn't do anything, but we, we, somebody got, has to get blamed. So we're going we're gonna to blame, this, they call this, that the scapegoat. So they would take these two, two goats, and the first one, and it cast lots for them. So you got two goats, and what, what would you do if you were one of those goats? 
pick the other guy. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't pick me. Pick, pick the other one for the sacrificial goat. And uh, that's the one they would take the blood in and, and put on the mercy seat. Okay? There had to be blood to cover sin. Adam and Eve illustrated this. When, they, when, when God killed the, the animals to make clothes, there was death and blood was shed. Okay, without, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins, it says in Hebrews. It's at 9.22, all things are cleansed with blood. According to the law, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So one of the goats was killed, and the blood was taken into the holy, and holy, holy of holies to cover the sins. What about the other goat? What did they do with that goat? This is kind of neat. This is Leviticus 16. Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of his live goat. Okay, the other goat. He would, he would take it and he would, he didn't say lay a hand on it, he would take both of his hands, he'd kind of lean into it with his hands on the head of this goat. And they would confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins. And what was happening was, God says, when you do that, when you put, uh, Aaron, your, your hands on the head of the goat and you lean in, and you confess the sins and iniquities of the people, those sins were being transferred to that poor goat, that scapegoat, okay? And it said, do this with the goat. Send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness." And, and this, is, this is great for us. So one of the goats, they killed. One of the goats, they put the sin on the head of the goat, and they, and they released it into the wilderness. And what's the point of all this? Why are, the, why are there two goats? And both represent the Lord Jesus, by the way. The first goat, he says, I'm going to cover your sin, God says, on the cross. But I'm also going to remove your sin. And this is one of my favorite verses, Psalms 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So what is atonement? It not only covers our sin to bring us into unity with the Lord, but it removes our sin. He just, he just get it out of here. Just, he just takes it away. And you know, when the Lord Jesus died on the cross, he bore his sins on himself. All of our sins, all of our iniquities, all of our transgressions, all of our mistakes, he bore that on his body on the cross, and he also removed our sins. They didn't kill him in the city. They took him outside the city. It was a picture. This goat was a picture of the Lord Jesus going outside the city, taking our sins away from the people to be killed and for our sins to be removed. As far as, our, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Who are you if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus? You are a person whose sin is covered. You are a person whose sin has been removed. God says, I'm, I'm going to remove that stuff. It's not even part of your life anymore. I'm going to remove it as far as the east is from the west. And I believe, we'll talk about this more later, that gives us the freedom not to continue living in sin and mistakes. God's working on us with that. He helps us with that. That's called grace, and we'll talk about that later. But here's the good news for us, because all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, what the Bible says, and He just didn't cover our sins. 
he removed it. So, obviously, how do we get in on this? We know this, but it's good to know how to explain it to people. Uh, it's free for us. God did all the work. It doesn't cost us a thing. And I was, I was listening to, to a sermon. I heard this illustration, and I thought, this is, this is really good. I'm going to steal this one. There was a, a preacher, G. Campbell Morgan, and the story goes, he was witnessing to a coal miner. And he's trying to explain to him the free gift of God. And the miner said, well, it, it can't be free. I've got to earn it or pay for it. And the, G. Campbell Morgan, the, 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 the preacher said, uh, he got this flash of inspiration. And he said, uh, well, how did you get down in your mind to go to work today? And uh, the guy says, oh, that was easy. I just got on the lift, the elevator, and I, and I, uh, and I went down. And, and Morgan asked, you know, wasn't that too easy? Didn't it cost you something? And the guy said, oh, no, it was easy for me. It cost the company a fortune to build that elevator. And, and it hit him. It's free for me, but it cost God everything. I told him it cost him the life of his son. It cost God a lot. But he used it to cover our sins and remove our sins because he loves us. He could have left us alone, but he didn't. He came after us to cover, like he came after Adam and Eve and said, here, get rid of those fig leaves. I'll, I'll make you some clothes to cover you. Like he told Noah, take the pitch, seal that ark all around on the inside, and then you can just go sailing through life, and you're covered. You're covered. And I want to I talk about this one last aspect of this, because this is where, this is a hard thing for people to talk about today, and there's a lot of confusion about this, so I want to try to bring some light on this, Okay. Did you know there's an aspect of sin that makes God angry? Do you know there's an aspect of sin that makes God angry? Now, Amy, my daughter, who you've met, uh, most of you, uh, she, she plays this, this little thing with um, my granddaughter, Josephine. And she'll say to, she'll say to Josephine, uh, Josephine, are you, are you happy? And Josephine will say, yes, mommy, I'm, I'm happy. Or she's looking sad, she'll say, Josephine, are you sad? And Josephine will say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sad right now. I'm sad, Mommy. And when she was down at our house, we would, we would do this. She would usually initiate it. She'd be looking at me and she'd go, Papa, are you happy? And I'd say, yes, Joe, I'm happy. And I'd say, Joe, are you, are you happy? And she'd say, yes, Papa, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. And then she got this mischievous look on her face. And she said, uh, Papa? I said, yes. She goes, I'm angry, she said. <laughs> and she wasn't angry. She just wanted to see what my reaction would be, you know. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed. I thought that was so funny. Uh, is, is anger a sin? No, it's not. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and don't sin. Okay, sin not. I'm, I did all my memorization in the old King James back in the day. Uh, anger can lead to sin, but it's not a sin. You can be angry at somebody, and I'd say there's a, there's a time to be angry at somebody, but don't kill them. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not, that would be a transgression, you know. Uh, does God get angry? Yeah. yeah. God has emotions. Anger's an emotion. It's not a sin. God has emotions. So when God gets angry, is it a sin? Of course not. Uh, God's angry every day. Do you know that? God is angry every day. Do you believe me? Psalm 711. God is a just God, and God is angry 
with the wicked every day. <laughs> um, um, God has all emotions, but he, he experiences anger every day. Why is he angry with wicked people? Because wicked people hurt people, and God loves people. Of course he's angry with the wicked. He doesn't hate people. He's atoning for them and for us. <laughs> We've all done wicked things. Uh, God gets angry because sin hurts people and because sin hurts us. You know, think of it like this. Throughout history, there have been some very standout things in our world where someone in charge of a country, let's just say, has committed atrocities and killed millions of people. There's war going on right now in the world. And I tell you, it's, it's, a, it's a useless slaughter of people. Many people are dying. It's such a tragedy. And we all have thoughts on that, so I'm not going to go there. But do you think that war in Ukraine makes God happy? God, are you happy? God, are you sad? God, are you angry? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. And if, they were, if there were people that you knew in Ukraine who were dying senselessly, you'd be angry too. It's a, it's, a, it's a normal emotions. God is angry with the wicked every day, but the Bible teaches us about the anger of God. It doesn't stop there. God avenges... He doesn't revenge, he avenges. We, we want to revenge sometimes. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. God doesn't do that, but he avenges. Um, Romans 12, 19, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will pay, repay, says the Lord. Um, don't you pay people back, the Lord says. I'll de- let me deal with it. There's been times where, you know, we've all been hurt by people. And when someone hurts you, our natural tendency is to want to hurt them back, usually. And God says, don't do that. Let, let, put it in my hands. So what do we do? We forgive. Because of our position in Christ, we have the ability to forgive people who have hurt us and not to hold it against us. And we pray for the people that have hurt us. God, don't hold it to their account. God, I forgive them. You do what you want to, but Lord, I, don't, I, I am not going to repay them. I'm, I'm going to forgive them. And Lord, I place them in your hands, because I know that I've done things to hurt people too. We forgive. And the, the harder the offense, the harder it is to do that, isn't it? If it's been a thing that's really been hard that people have done to you, it, it, it's harder. But I believe that we can, I'm going to get on a rabbit trail here. When we, when we forgive, we might not feel it, but the more that we do it, the more our emotions line up with our actions. We're taught that our actions have to line up with our emotions, but I think it's the opposite. I think that emotions follow our obedience to the Lord. When we obey, God changes our heart. We enter into a relationship with Him not knowing God, barely, <laughs> but we learn to love Him as we obey. If you love me, keep my commandments. And, and it brings obedience. So the f- confessing forgiveness to people over people brings it in our emotions as well. But God's saying basically here, you know, let me do it. Let me, let me take care of it, you know. And I'll find myself sometimes getting really, really angry at somebody and just getting frustrated. And uh, I've actually heard the Lord, I, I, I think, speak to me and say, Greg, you want to deal with it or you want me to deal with it? And I'm like, you deal with it, sir. <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of, you know, okay, I, I, need, I need to get out of this. You know, I get stuck on things sometimes in my mind. But he's the only one worthy to hold people account. I have no leg to stand. I can't hold people accountable. I just know where I've been hurt. It's up to the Lord to do that. And he's gracious and full of mercy and compassion. So let me show you, this is how I'm going to close this up. This is, ties into another word. 
Um, I'm not going to go into all the details, but in the, in the New Testament, the word atonement does not appear. Why? It's a Hebrew word. <laughs> New Testament was written in Greek, Koine Greek, Greek for the common people, okay? Um, when they translated the Old Testament into Koine Greek, um, they, they couldn't find a good Greek word for, for atonement. Because it's a, it's, it's a Hebrew concept. It's about, it's about the Lord and what He does. And inspired by the Holy Spirit, I believe, they chose this word, and it's not, again, another word we don't use every day in conversation, propitiation. Let's say that together. Propitiation. It's a complicated word. Now, this is a, Greek, a word that came from Greek mythology. Okay? And it, it was referring to some of their stories about trying to appease gods like Zeus or the fire god or something, you know, they would, they would know that in the stories that they had sinned and they had to make things right with this god, so they would bring a gift, you know, or a sacrifice to appease this god. It wasn't a human, it wasn't a Hebrew concept, it was a Greek concept, but a word that people could understand a little bit. And God wants us to know that we don't have to bring a gift to appease him, <laughs> He, he gave himself a gift to take care of any anger. Wrath is a word you hear. And what was that gift? It was the gift of the Lord Jesus on the cross. God gave himself a gift to take away the anger that he has towards sin and even towards the wicked and mistakes that are made. Because remember the two goats. He atones for our sin, takes the blood, pours it on the mercy seat. He takes the other goat. What does he do? He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. He has us covered. He has us covered, and that's good for us. And I want to I end with this scripture verse, and this is a little bit of a longer one, but let's chew on it together. Romans 3, 21 through 26. You can chew on this on your own time a little bit. I'll go through it. You know, it's good to take something from what we talk about on Sunday mornings. Take it home. Chew on it a little bit. It says this. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. It's not about keeping the law. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, that's atonement, whom God set forth as a propitiation, or you could even put that word atonement, by his blood. What was all the stuff in the Old Testament? Noah, Adam and Eve, the sacrifices, Yom Kippur. What was that all pointing towards? Jesus bearing our sins on himself on the cross and making atonement for us. God had passed over the sins that were previously committed what does that remind you of? Passover. We talked about Passover. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in the Lord Jesus. He covers our sin. God's wrath, if you want to put it that way. It says there's a, what's that song? The wrath of God been satisfied for I am his. That's... I don't know what that song is. Anyway, I, won't, I, won't, I already sang it. I don't need to sing again. Remember Noah. <laughs> you go home with it scarring for me singing today. Uh, 
what was the promise that God would not flood the earth again? Rainbow. The rainbow, okay. We started there talking about what Noah did. And God references in Isaiah, he references Noah and the ark, and he makes another promise. This comes around full circle. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you, God said, for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you or rebuke you. Here's why. Because my son <laughs> atoned for your sin. He covered your sins and he removed it. You don't have to worry, you know, is God angry at you today? You don't have to worry about that because Jesus took your sins upon himself as on the cross. He's the goat, <laughs> greatest of all time. He's the, he's the goat, but he's both goats. He's the goat who um, was sacrificed for your sins and he took your sin upon himself and removed them as far as the east is from the west. It's a great thing to celebrate and a great thing to remember. And as we go forward into what God has for us in the future, we need to know this. What, what is my standing with the Lord? Man, I, I mess up probably every week. Sin, definitely iniquities, think about it, might not have the courage to do it. Transgressions. It, it's so easy to get down on yourself. And I don't, I don't want to be in a, in a pattern of sin in my life, for sure. But how do we feel about ourselves when we have sinned and messed up. How does God feel about me? He's removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. He has atoned for my sin. I can stand secure because I know who the Lord is and what he's done for me. And that's a great position for us to stand in, especially when we just feel like we're being attacked and we're insecure about who we are and we've just blown it. <laughs> he loves you just as much the day after you've blown it as he did the day before. He cares about you just as much because Jesus covered our sin. Um, we're going to take communion together today as a reminder of this, and we're going to celebrate. A lot of times we take communion, we remember the death of the Lord Jesus, we remember the death, but we remember the suffering. Sometimes we just focus on the suffering of the Lord Jesus, what he went through, the great price he paid. But I think there's a lot of times God wants us to focus on the joy of the cross. We have something to celebrate, that he bore our sins and he removed them. That's something to celebrate. So we're going to take communion today to celebrate that as we do this together. So